Fundraising everywhere. 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 You need to add me in there. Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. Over the next few episodes, we're taking a look at some of our favorite events fundraising on-demand sessions in celebration of our events fundraising virtual summit on the 31st of January. If you'd like to join us at the conference, you can use the promo code FEPODCAST to get 50% off. Yep, just head to our website and pop in FEPODCAST at checkout to get 50% off the events fundraising virtual summit in January. Enjoy today's session. Hello, I'm John Tasker. Nikki and the team at Fundraising Everywhere have asked me to share some thoughts on the psychology of event fundraisers. So hopefully for the next 20 minutes, I can give you some useful insights that can help you get more out of the events that you run and more out of events fundraising in 2023. The session's grandly titled Getting Into the Mind of Event Participants. I've simplified that a little bit. I'm just going to give you seven quotes from event participants and explore what they can tell us about the year ahead, what participants are thinking and questions they might raise for fundraisers. So I suppose by way of introduction, who am I? Uh, I'm a partner at Massive. We're an agency that design, develop and deliver mass participation events and campaigns. And as well as delivering events for a range of charities and non-charities, we also produce um, a range of insight reports. You might have seen our top 25 report, or our virtual fundraising monitor, and thankfully for this presentation, um, we've recently completed and released a new survey called the Mass Participation Pulse, for which we spoke to 4,000 current and past mass participation event participants, asking the questions like why they take part and understanding their behaviours and their attitudes. And for us, this is the first time that we've covered all mass participation events, so it's not just charity events. So it will be useful for you for kind of third party event fundraisers and the like. But if you're looking for insights for more community based events or coffee mornings, I hope this will be interesting, but I'm not sure it'll be massively useful for you. So what can I tell you? Before we get to the quotes, through the Pulse survey, we collected a lot of data and we're working on an in-depth segmentation of audiences for mass participation events. Uh, annoyingly, that's not ready yet, uh, but as part of that, we've identified three key drivers of participation. There's primary reasons why people take part in events. And the first is for social reasons, for connections with their friends or communities or with others at the event. The second is for improving or maintaining health. And the third is setting and overcoming a personal challenge. And we then went further and subdivided these three into eight kind of key motivational segmentation. And this gives us a little bit of deeper insight into what each segment wants and needs from events and how best to market to them. So, for example, looking at looking at it, while 38% of people are driven by health and fitness, we can see when we dig into the things that people are saying that there are differences between those who are doing an event for health and fitness reasons to look good versus those that are doing it to feel good and stay healthy. As I say, that's another report, but I think for this presentation, what's interesting is that while 45% of the people we spoke to fundraised for their events, only 7% of those people we surveyed were doing those events to fundraise as their primary motivation. So 
I guess in some ways that could be seen as a little bit depressing, but just being more positive about it, for us it highlights the power of events to recruit new supporters. So 93% of people were there for, for an other reason other than fundraising, but more than half of those were able to be persuaded to fundraise while they were there. So I think that for us that, that's, that reinforces the power of events as a, as a recruitment tool for, for charities and fundraisers. But anyway, moving back to our, our quotes, the first of which, and, and all of them came from our kind of call interviews and more most recent survey. But our, our first quote is, I'm still not really happy being in a crowd. Uh, and what does that tell us? Well, comparing entry levels at events with 2022 and 2019, it's going to be no news to anybody that was participation was down across the board. So we've done a lot of work to try and understand what's driving that. And one factor is comfort. Post-COVID, most people have moved on, but our research suggests that not everybody has. In fact, in the pulse, we found 10% of people still not fully comfortable in an event or a crowd situation. Now, happily, 74% of people are, are fully over it and back to normal. 13% aren't quite sure how they feel, which is interesting. But 10% is a significant number. For the biggest events in our kind of top 20, 25 survey, 10% of participants would be equal, you know, for the bigger ones, for two to three million pounds. So it's a significant, a significant factor. So as fundraisers, how should you deal with that? We think it's important to think about how you can make this 10% of people confident to attend through your communications. It's not necessarily about going backwards and into social distancing, but could it be about subtle messaging or in the choice of images that you use, you know, to reassure people that events are safe? Or thinking about how you can use hybrid to still appeal to those who aren't yet ready, and, and let's face it, may never really ever be ready to come back to mass events. And from from the research we found, virtual is far from over 12% of people, 12% of those people that we surveyed were still very happy to do virtual. Quote two is, I'm not fit enough to do events anymore. Despite all the noise about uh, people getting active through virtual events in, in lockdown, almost half of the people in our survey, 48% got fitter in lockdown, which is great. A significant proportion of respond, responses almost a quarter, 24%, reported they were less fit post-COVID. And that affects all, but particularly for, for females, this is an issue when it comes to being confident in doing events. Quote three is, my friends have stopped doing events. Going back to our segmentation at the start, 34% of people said their primary motivation for doing events was social. It was about connection and things that they do with their friends, colleagues, or others. And we've seen these social segments drop their levels of participation more than average, so more than others. And these people are more, most likely to report that events are just less important than post-COVID and that their levels of fitness have fallen. So again, as fundraisers looking to get people to an event, what can you do about that? We think in effect, in effect for these guys, how they socialise has changed. Events and exercise were in some ways central to some of that, previously and, and now they're just not they've stopped during covid and they've replaced that with other ways to socialize to get together and just stayed like that in effect some of these guys have just fallen out of the habit of doing events so i think the questions for charities are to overcome this how do you reintroduce the idea of events as social activities how can you reinforce the group dynamic just as in normal times how do you leverage or use the power and influence of that group leader that person that coordinates social activity how do you use that or how do you support these people as team leaders to encourage their group to sign up? And how can you remind people about the joy of events for groups? Is it through the use of comms, language and the images that you used? 
show that they, these things work as, as, as kind of great social and fun events. And then also think about how you can improve your offer to groups. Is there something about team-specific perks or privileges or team elements, team elements, not team elephants, or team elements you can add to your event? Code number four is I might as well raise some money for, for a good cause while I run. And this harks back to our segmentation. might potentially be a shock for some charity people, but, but while uh, almost half of people who responded to our survey have fundraised through an event in the last year, only 7% cited fundraising as their primary motivation. And that really tells us two things about what people are thinking or how they think about fundraising events. The first is, for most fundraising, fundraising wasn't the main reason they were taking part. They've been driven by the activity or the fact that other people have asked them to take part, which also reinforces the idea that, as we say, that events work as a great channel for acquiring new supporters. I guess that's something I'm sure most of you will tell your fundraising directors on a regular basis. And the second thing it tells us is that the majority of fundraisers choose the cause first and then the charity. When we compare the two, many more for us are choosing cause first rather than charity. Uh, so slightly depressingly, for, for more than half of these people, the specific charity made initially very little difference to them in what, which they chose to fundraise for. In effect, that the hierarchy for these people is activity, event, cause, and then charity. So for us, that kind of begs three key questions for, for 2023. One, how can you work with or better use events as a recruitment channel for your organisation? How do you get your charity in front of people? And whether that's partnerships with third-party events, creating new events or adapting your portfolio to lead with the right types of activity. Secondly, how can you take advantage of the fact your cause is more important than your brand or charity? To be, how do you do that and to be seen as before bigger or more or well or more well-known charities to effectively steal market share, particularly for third party and own events. It's about leading with cause first, not the charity name or brand, we think. And finally, once you've signed people up, how do you drive loyalty to your charity and use the right stewardship journey to ensure that these people learn more about your charity and they are thinking about your charity when it comes to the next fundraising event? Our fifth quote, I'm not too concerned about the cost of living crisis. I think I, I said at the start that we were going to start with possibly some slightly more down uh, quotes and move to slightly more optimistic. And this is the, the first of our kind of three optimistic quotes. So that they're not concerned about, uh, too concerned about the cost of living crisis. Our research found that, that the cost of living crisis doesn't seem to be affecting people evenly. Um, the people that take part in events we've seen have a higher than average uh, household income. It could be survey buyers, but but definitely the people that we spoke to had higher than average household and disposable incomes. Of forty three percent of them were not overly concerned about being able to afford the things that they want in the year ahead. Interestingly, both here and in insight from you know some of the big big management consultancies like McKinsey, we're seeing that the recession so far is unequal, and full employment means that the impact is less severe for some. We've seen lots of evidence of people cutting back to protect spend, but they're doing that so they've still got spend for more important things. It isn't that they can't afford that. So it's people turning down the heating to save money so they've got that money to spend on holidays, clothes, or something more fun. So that combined with the higher levels of income we, we're seeing suggests that the cost of living crisis might not hit events as hard as some other areas. And what does that mean from a charity perspective? Well, the biggest impact we think on mass fundraising isn't people's ability to afford events or to make donations. It's perception. It's a serious issue of whether people feel 
they can ask that the t- or the time is right to ask others for donations. Is it appropriate at the moment? So again, I think what we think one of the key questions for charities are how do you better support people to make them feel it's okay to ask? What tools can you give them to make that ask? And are there case studies and examples of other fundraising that you can show to reinforce that message that it's still okay to ask friends and colleagues and peers to donate to an individual when they're taking part in an event? And I suppose additionally, if the insight that we've got is is true, then given those high level of income, if volume is an issue, it's about asking yourself, how do you unlock extra value from those individual participants who perhaps aren't as squeezed as others or other of your supporters so that you're not leaving any money on the table, that you're really working those guys for all of the fundraising that they can do individually? Quote six, I love taking part in events. I'm slight, hopefully we're slightly biased. Um, I know this is an audience at events fundraising conference, so hopefully you guys might say the same thing. Or something that a survey of people who've done events, again, might have an even greater in, greater inbuilt bias. But relating to the last point, those who do events do kind of rate them as a, a really ha- a valuable expense worth protecting. So we asked people, in terms of their disposable spend, where would you prioritise your spend? And it's interesting that respondents only put holidays above taking part in events, uh, you know, with a, with other gigs and other events not not that far behind, ahead of clothes, gym membership, and spend on video games and things like that. So again, for us, again, reinforcing the idea that it's events first, charity second, you can also see that donations to causes are, are you know, are rated slightly lower here. So it is still that event first, then fundraising. To get a different perspective, we, we flipped that question and asked it the other way. If you were having to cut back, where would you cut back first? And interestingly, you get a pretty, pretty similar result. Events are one of the last things that people want to cut back on. Uh, and thankfully, uh, when you ask in this way, uh, cutting back on donations to charity is, is, is kind of less of a priority. So they're more protected when you ask in this way. I suppose that the sharp eye amongst you might see that you know holidays are slightly lower in, he, in this, this way of asking. But our guess is that holidays are a big spend. So if you're looking to cut back, you might cut back on that. So there's more to save here or that you can still go on holiday and save a little bit of money. But I guess the takeaway for us is that is that people plan to prioritise and protect spend on events and experiences. Finally, I promise to end on a, on a positive note. So number seven is, quote, is I'm definitely doing more events this year. Although people were slow to slower than expected to return to events in 2022, we're sensing some positivity about 2023. 45% of our respondents reported that they're planning to do more events in 2023. So yes, 10% of people aren't over COVID yet, but 74% of people are keen to get back to normal as soon as possible. Yes, almost a quarter aren't fitter, but more than half are significantly fitter than they were at the start. Cost of living crisis will affect entries, but again, as we've just discussed, that's not potentially as universal as we might have thought. So again, there's some positives there. And while 15% of people, a minority, say they're going to see events as less of a priority this year, perhaps of things like because of things like the cost of living, more than a third, 34%, see spend on events and see events as being a bigger focus for them in 2023, which even when you take out the, the people in the middle is a strong net positive. And for us, when you combine that with some good early numbers for, for event providers and charities that we've seen for people entering events of 23, it's starting to seem a little more, this year's starting to seem a little bit more positive in the minds of event participants. 
um, it seems that we're getting back and getting closer to what is the old normal. Now, I don't believe that we're out of the woods yet. There will be wobbles and, and our senses will have to wait until 2024 for, for any signs of a boom. But thinking about all of this insight, the questions we believe they should raise for rent fundraisers, there's five really. First is, what can you do in 2023 to reassure and encourage participants back to events? Understand what they're feeling, know their barriers, see those, and work wherever you can to kind of remove those barriers to get people back to events. Two is, again, to think about how you express that and how you reassure people in the messaging and the comms that you use to kind of reinforce that message that it is safe, that you don't need to be super fit, that you can come back to these fundraising events. Third is how do you ensure the activities you offer through your events or, or if it's a mix of events or through third-party events, that your event portfolio appeals to the biggest audience given some of those changes in fitness and attitudes. You know, have you got the right activities? Number four, after a tough few years, how will you ensure your fundraising director keeps the faith and stays believing in events as a fundraising and an acquisition tool? They do work. It's about reassuring them getting them to keep the faith. And finally, fifth, given that things are starting to come back and we expect things to be back to full strength in 2024, what can you do this year to set yourself up to make the most of events and all that they offer in terms of acquisition and fundraising potential for 2024? So that's about all I've got to say, really. So thank you. I know this isn't live, but if you have any questions, please contact me on LinkedIn, uh, on by email in any way you can. And if you want to read more, the full report is available from our website, downloadable for free at wearemassive.co.uk. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.